We really were just paying attention to that movie in the restaurant. We were. We really were. Oh, at work, I was telling somebody, like, we went to that whiskey bar. And they're like, oh, my God, did you see the wall with the bourbon? I said, no, we were watching Scott Pilgrim, my dude. I don't give a fuck about the wall. Have you seen Scott Pilgrim? It's pretty good. Welcome back to the Shaking Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your hosts, Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 2012 film Sinister, directed by Scott Derrickson. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I don't have anything funny to prepare or say other than the shit we've been complaining about for weeks. Beautiful. That's how I am. How are you? As of the recording, we are still in the office back at our old home that old home but we're not we're in the basement when this gets released so hopefully we're doing okay that makes it sound like we were kidnapped against our will in a basement yeah bagul came out of nowhere and realized that we were moving houses loki's the one who's gonna be standing at the end with the axe and alvaro's gonna be like yeah this time he took two Mm, i was gonna say he usually takes one which i have an issue with but we'll get into that oh do you yes okay he's supposed to devour children there are multiple children in these families that he could take why does he only take one so you're saying he's not efficient no he's really not maybe one just doesn't taste as good you mean more than one it's usually families with two kids for some reason and he leaves one maybe he's like this is the better one okay this one's taller it's just does he go for the youngest one is that the creepiest effect the younger the better I don't know. Are you ready for creepy content? What do you have? I was going to say nothing. And then I forgot that we watched a bunch of found footage for some reason. Yeah. We watched Grave Encounters, Hell House LLC 2, and Paranormal Activity 2. I was on a found footage kick for some reason. Maybe it was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. It just reminds me of better times. People being found, murdered, haunted. It just reminds me of better times. While holding a camera. It's like home movies, but with murder. And it's a tagline for this movie, I think. They traced it back to the family in the 60s. But was there a period where Bagul was like, man, I don't know how to transfer my photos to the new medium of, oh shit, Super 8 film? Amazing. <laughs> Thanks, technology. I think there's a part where the historian explains that he would live in like frescoes. Frescoes? Yes. What's that? It's a form of painting that was really popular. Oh. Throughout history. Specifically, I think around the Renaissance. Interesting. Thing. I didn't catch the exact medium, but I remember that when he's like flipping through and he's like, yeah. he just likes capturing children, especially when they look at the pictures. Yeah, it's a weird <laughs> way to capture children, but okay. <laughs> yeah. They like pretty pictures, and that's how I get them. You know, I know we're talking like if we're goal here, but we sound like predators. We really do. We should <laughs> please don't think we are. We're talking about Bagul. Here. Yes. Are we going to talk about the found footage films we saw? Are we going to cover them or should we just... I figured we're going to eventually cover them, like especially Paranormal Activity 2 since we did the first. Grave Encounters I'd like to cover because that movie's insane. I remember watching it and I told you that I was so gullible I thought it was like real because it mm-hmm. was kind of like ghost hunter shows, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is clearly a joke on Zach Bagels mm-hmm. and it's just so fun. And then we watched some like deleted scenes, which were kind of cool because you get to see like what happened when they found them. I would honestly take those deleted scenes over the very stretched out ending of that one i fell asleep during paranormal activity too i remember it being not one of my favorites the third one is way better it came out at a time that was like everyone was so hyped because of the Mm -hmm. first one that i remember it being okay 
The third one I thought was the most boring. Yeah. I think it's more interesting because we get the background story of the sisters. Shishters. The shitters. Yeah. We haven't even covered Hell House 1 yet. No, we haven't, but I like Hell House 1. Hell House LLC 2 was not a good time. It was fun. We were laughing. Like thought, a lot. Okay, yes. Fun in like a what the fuck is this kind of way. Yeah. It's hard to watch horror movies and be like, literally this one decision could have stopped all of it from happening. Yeah. Because the guy's like, oh, the house drew me back to it. After literally being on an interview where he's like, I'll never go back there. I know. Didn't make any <laughs> sense. And the girl's like, I'm going to stay behind because I'm too creeped out by that house. I got a call from you. You told me to come into the house. And I came. It's like, bitch, you literally didn't want to come. Why would you come? That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> Vivi looked at me like that. Okay, merited. So that's yeah. what she said. <laughs> Are we going to be watching more found footage? Yes. I need to find more. Please okay. send us your suggestions. Oh, I think Sheree commented a crazy found footage film. She sent it on Twitter. I've never heard of it before, but she said it was on YouTube. Oh, let's go look at it. Yeah. We'll do that then. Thank you, Sheree, for suggesting something. Do you have any comfort content? No. Okay, because there's nothing comforting about being in the basement. What are we drinking today? So clearly, Ellison is drinking a shit ton of bourbon, right? Right. It's a whole personality trait for him. Yeah, everyone's just like... I mean, he has a problem. Judging his drinking habits. Yeah. Yeah. I figured it'd be good to do a old-fashioned, so we used Woodford Reserve Bourbon. We used Black Walnut Bitters, and then I added Agave Nectar instead of Simple Syrup. Do you want to give it a try? Mm-hmm. I'm calling this... Google Sleepy Time Tea. I took a big gulp, and I really shouldn't have. Was it all whiskey? Yeah. Yeah. I do like it when my old fashions are... Mostly whiskey. Mostly whiskey, yes. This is kind of cool when it sinks to the bottom because then you start to get the hint at the end. It's kind of like a bittersweet thing. I really just taste... Woodford? Woodford. I mean, I was ready to just say we're going to drink whiskey on the rocks. You really did. You wanted us to chug out of the bottle like he does every time he sees something bad. I did, but I was like, no, we have to make a cocktail. No, we can't (laughs) be alcoholics like him. I like it. What do you think? I think Allison would have liked it too. I'm getting like all the flavors. Really? You just need to drink more. Okay. Right? Well, yours is mine's too watered down. Well, yeah, yours does taste different for some reason. There's more flavor in yours than in this one. Now I feel like I just have pure whiskey taste in my mouth. I need a palate cleanser. I think when you add like walnut to like a smoky whiskey, it's a good flavor because it's kind of like a roasted flavor. <laughs> no <Ooh>. joke intended. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of old fashions, but I know a lot of people love them. I'm just not an old fashioned girl. I'll give it a 2.5. I was looking for a joke there. I'm not an old fashioned girl. Yeah. I'm a slut. I give this old fashioned a four. It's not superly over bitter and it's also not superly over sweet. I think it's a nice balance. Old fashions are something that people are really particular about and like gatekeepy about. Like if you change it or make your own version of it, people get mad. I don't get it. Even before this, I was like pulling out a lime to garnish it and baby was like, what? Lime in the old fashioned? And I was like, that wouldn't even be an old fashioned anymore. That sounds gatekeepy too, but it's like with any drink, oh, once you change that though it makes it this other thing and it's kind of like weird because unless you know what that other thing is it's kind of just like no i did an old-fashioned with cherries instead and they're like no an old-fashioned with cherries makes it this it's like yeah i get it all right cool but yeah there's this guy who was like 60 ingredients basically and he's like it's an old-fashioned i was like that's not an old-fashioned that is a very complicated old-fashioned yeah it was like jellies and jams and cherries and shit just tastes whiskey now that's the flavor that will live in my mouth forever. And that's the flavor that lived in Ellison's mouth. Even when he was being murdered. Oh, was it? 
No. I thought that was coffee. I'm sure there was whiskey in that coffee. That's what knocked him out. <laughs> when I was writing the notes, I was like, wait, was that coffee or whiskey? I don't I don't know. It was in a mug. I can't tell. Also, why was her poison green as fuck? Yeah, I had an issue with that. Is it ectoplasm? Do you want to tell us about fun facts? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about these fun facts. Just like I don't know how I feel about this movie. One of them I included that I am not 100% sure is true. I try to do some more research on it, but some sources said yes. Some didn't say anything at all. It's my last fact, so we will get into it. Was there a lot on this? There was, like, not fun ones. Like, all depressing or something? Yeah, I didn't even write this one down. You know that first opening scene where the family's being hung? Apparently, a stunt coordinator, like, botched that scene, and the actual stunt doubles got hung, for real. And luckily, they all survived, but they had to fire that coordinator immediately. Yeah, what the fuck? That's not fun. That's just terrible. But actual facts that I picked. Despite having no nudity, minimal blood, and little to no cursing, the film still received an R rating for the content alone. The filmmakers were hoping to obtain a PG-13. Is it because of all the, the gruesome murders of families and kids? A lot of people say that this film is very disturbing, and it is the premise of kids killing their whole families. But in terms of actual like gore, you don't see a lot of it. You kind of turn away a lot when the murders are about to happen. And it's blurred and I mean, it's implied. Yeah, it's very implied, but it's still received in R rating. That's so weird. I don't think this is an R. I think anytime kids are the murderers, it like unsettles people. It's also probably the people visibly being like hung over and over and over again. You know, because that tree hanging scene happens so many times. So many times. The lawnmower one, I think, is probably the one that gets me the most. That one definitely is the most creepy. It might be the one that earned this film R rating. Person's literally looking at the camera like, hey, what's up? <laughs> but you don't actually see anything. I mean, you see the lawnmower go over. That's it. But you don't see blood, guts, and you don't get like a really gnarly visual. Okay. The script for Sinister is inspired by The Ring and a nightmare that co-writer C. Robert had after watching it, which once you know that, I feel like you could tell it's a very heavy influence on the film. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's literally a monster in a film. Cursed videos. (laughs) Yeah. Based on some old being in mythology. It's like The Ring on steroids. Like it's not just one video. It's many. But you still feel that same fear factor from the being in the video coming out at you. Mm. although i'd say it's more cheesy here yeah i was gonna say i think i prefer the ring ready for the last fact this is the one where i couldn't confirm if this was accurate bagul is said to be inspired by moloch a deity of child sacrifice found in the hebrew bible it said that moses warned the jewish people not to worship the god moloch and not to sacrifice their children by fire in his name moloch sounds familiar i think even in the film he's like mentioned as a brother of moloch so you said that you couldn't confirm whether this was true or not? Yeah, because some sources said it was. Some don't specifically state that Bagul has an origin story. He's just meant to be a boogeyman. Oh, I get it. Boogie? Bagul? Yeah, they call him Mr. Boogie a lot. Jonas, the professor, is like, there's little to no writing on this character. I feel like that's kind of a cop-out on a lot of these movies. The American Gods book. Do you remember there was that one guy who's like, I'm an old god that no one really remembers. And so they kind of rewrite him and they say he has like a twin brother. I was looking into that god turns out it really is one of the oldest gods and there's like little to no story on him Mm -hmm. and some people have even seen him as like two different people because one of them is night the other one's day oh but it's also written down that he's both but this book took the liberty to be like we're twins you know you could write basically whatever you want for this type of historical figure 
but also it's a cop out because then you're not really basing it on anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're just throwing a name that if someone looks that up, they can find something. But or not find something yeah. in this case. Yeah, but that's all I have for fun facts. Wow, that was fun. That was so fun. You said they weren't fun. That was fun. Okay. I like historical things. Well, that's the one I couldn't confirm or deny. Which I like. Okay. I like not knowing things. So I wrote down that it was my turn to do the speed run, but if is. this is being released after, I know what you're trying to do. But listen It is to your me. turn. Now. Oh, yeah. Real convenient. <laughs> it's not my fault we're recording out of order. Well, I feel like that was a weird introduction. I didn't even think that we clarified whose turn it is. Yeah, because you kept trying to fight me and say that was my turn and you just changed the rules on us. I wasn't fighting you. I was saying it's your turn because it is. Fine. Are you ready for the speed run? No. One, two, three. Go. We see a family being hung on a tree and it's like a uh, vintage and dramatic. We meet uh, this author who's a fucking douchebag. He only cares about writing his book and reliving his glory days. He's a true crime author. He like moves his family to this haunted house where a family was murdered, but he doesn't tell his wife about it. Um, his wife finds out eventually because his kids start acting creepy as fuck. He's being affected by all this found footage stuff that he found in his attic that pertain to the mo- to the murders he's literally writing about. Um, the house gets more and more haunted. We learn that it's Bagul who like eats children. A cop gets involved to help him. He's finally scared enough by the haunted house that he moves, but that was the wrong move because Bagul is going to follow him and kill him. And that's exactly what his daughter does because Bagul is like the eater of children and makes children murder for some reason. 40 seconds. Yeah. You did good. Thank kid. you. You done good. I know. Were you ready for this? You were too ready. It's just not like a lot of it is him watching the videos over and over again. And that takes up like a lot of the movie. A lot of it. Is him doing being that. a douche and being a douche and lying to his wife yeah, and yeah. walking around the halls with a bat. Oh my god, that whole sub story I could do without the whole every night he walks around and something's creepy. Like, wrote, is this based on a book? I don't think so. It gave me Stephen King vibes. So I got the vibe that his character is based on Stephen King. Okay, but. Stephen King was like cocaine fields and alcohol. And there's a scene where I'm like, are we sure this dude is only on alcohol? Because he is sweating like crazy. Cocaine fueled alcohol. Cocaine fueled alcohol. Yeah. That was the poison at the end. His daughter found his cocaine and put it in. Damn. Too much of it, apparently. (laughs) All right. Well, let's see what the interwebs say about this movie. Washed up true crime writer Ellison Oswalt finds a box of Super 8 home movies in his new home that suggests the murder that he is currently researching is the work of a serial killer whose legacy dates back to the 1960s. The artwork's pretty cool for this. I do like, oh, ahead of time before we jump into it, I don't like this movie, and I've... I think we've stated that on the show before. Never liked it, and I know that this is, like, critically acclaimed by many. It only has a 6.8 on IMDb, so I wouldn't even say that that's that great. Shout out to Brennan Francisco, because they, like, love it. I still don't like it after watching it two more times, <laughs> but I will be fair to it and say that I do like the creepy writing style, the artwork. Even looking on IMDb, there's, like, a scene of Ashley walking past the wall, and, like, in the blood... Bagul's face appears like I do like the style of it I just hate Ellison so much just ruins it for you yeah it's like how much I hated Mika and Paranormal Activity oh they are very much the same breed there's nothing to feel bad about bro you like asked for it you were so shitty to your family that being said Eric completely tainted any chance I had of liking this movie he saw it before I did and just like shit talked it to hell to the point where I sat down one day I was like do you want to watch it since you hate it so much and you said no and let me sit there watching it alone and decided to do chores all around me i think at one point you started vacuuming while i was watching this movie so i don't ever think i had a fair chance of liking it when i sat down to watch it this time i tried really hard to like just like push that out of my brain and just watch it and i think there are things that work about this movie but there is a lot of things that don't work about this movie and that outweighs the good for me for sure should we get into it then? yes 
Ready? A video starts and we see four people standing with their heads covered with sacks and their hands tied behind their backs. They have ropes around their throats tied to a tree. A tree branch falls, causing the four people to be raised and hung. The people kick and flail until they're clearly dead. The projector cuts with the words sinister in it. It looks in that like old type style. Kind of gives me like Resident Evil save point vibes. Like a typewriter? Yeah. Did you also notice that in the film, when the tree branch hangs, because there's a rope obviously holding it, like a spear comes out of nowhere and cuts the rope and is like flailing around? I didn't notice that and I was like, what the fuck? What? I thought it was a rake, like a garden rake or something. And someone just threw a rake? I don't know if it was used in the mechanics of making this thing work. Oh, okay. I thought someone just like said, all right, we got to cut the rope through a spear. Bagul's like, that's enough. That's some like real accurate throwing. He's a spirit from another world. So, you know, he's got the power. He can do what he wants, including spear throwing. We see a family moving in as the husband Ellison brings a box into his office. Cut to a group of police officers waiting outside of the house. The sheriff is pissed because one of the cops wants an autograph. He approaches the wife, Tracy asking for her husband. Inside, we see Ellison asking his daughter Ashley to help bring in boxes. She says she shouldn't have to carry boxes since she didn't ask to move there while she paints a girl with black paint holding a balloon. Ellison says they had to move because of his new story and that if they don't like it there, they'll move back once he's done with his book. Just a good establishing the creepy kid right off the bat. They go outside and Tracy tells him to be nice to the sheriff this time. Ellison asks if there's a problem and introduces himself, but the sheriff isn't a fan and tells him he wants him to leave. Ellison says no and that he can sign a book to give him, but the sheriff says he doesn't like how he writes cops. Ellison says it's because not every cop does their job right. The cop's like, well, I've read your books and you don't either. Got him. Damn. The sheriff continues and says that some of his books are actually okay, but he mentions a book that helped the killer go free and ruined a lot of people's lives. Lives. He says this town just needs to forget and heal and Ellison says there's a missing girl that needs to be found. The sheriff says she's dead but Ellison says they don't know for sure. The sheriff says it'd be a miracle if she was still alive and Ellison says oh well then we should give up is that right? The sheriff says this case can't be explained and that once he looks into it, he'll see they did what they could and that he's just wasting his time like he did with his last two books. Got him again. He really came in strong here yeah. to just roast the shit out of him. He's the sheriff of roast town. He's not wrong, though. I feel like, again, a true crime is like one of those things that I have conflicting feelings about. But this writer could potentially be ruining people's lives or he's bringing up horrible memories for the loved ones of these victims and they don't care because they're about the glory in it for them the movie does well to imply that ellison is a shitty person oh yeah he's like narcissistic as fuck he doesn't care about anyone except chasing his next big book since he hasn't written a successful book in 10 years it's also just so weird to see someone successful want more and be like where's my legacy though and it's like his kid literally standing at the door like here's your coffee dad and he's like oh wait hold up bitch i gotta call i thought the same thing i was like any argument this man had with his wife i was just like none of the points you are making make sense i didn't want to hear it ellison assumes the cops aren't going to help him and the sheriff confirms passive aggressively tracy asks what happened and he gets suspicious of ellison she asks if they didn't move a couple of houses down from a crime scene again but as ellison tries to respond she's like you know what never mind don't even tell me he's like oh i promise we didn't move a couple houses down <laughs> lying ass bitch semantics but also what wife is this supportive honestly and be like where are we moving i fucking know you we're probably moving into a murder house again also you're because we're currently going through this right like finding a new place it's yeah. like you're, we're so involved together in the choice of house although maybe because they move so often it sounds like because she's of kind him. of just done with it you yeah know? i understand when military families right have to move around because of where their parents are based but like a job 
software. I'm a writer and I have to move all the time. Like, how much do you get paid? Are book authors really, like, that well paid? These houses are not small. Like, this house definitely, like I said, is probably half a mil minimum. I don't know how much authors make. Best-selling authors, right? Because, I mean, 10 years ago. Right. And they're not choosing, like, tiny houses. When they move out of this house at the end, they choose a fucking mansion. Well, I think they move back home so this might have been their original home why do they want all that house it's like got four floors it's got a gate so they don't see their demon son sleepwalking where's trevor oh i don't fucking, I don't know. fucking the know west annex somewhere nah, he's in the house he kept escaping from the last one so we had to get a bigger one the maid found him in the dryer damn that's fucked up anyway ellison's a lion ass bitch but they go inside and ellison looks out the back window to a tree with a broken branch in the backyard in case you didn't get it to confirm that they moved into the murder house yeah ellison takes a box up into the attic and notices a box just sitting in the center of the room he gets scared by a scorpion and kills it by dropping the crate he's carrying like aggressively i mean i get it a scorpion is scary i mean is it though yes I think we've talked about this. Yeah, I think we have. We've had this debate before. <laughs> Scorpions are fine. Like They're poisonous. Yeah, but you're... I mean, he's not like... No, no, yeah, but they're <laughs> poisonous and they can freaking kill you. They can, but he knows where it is. It's not like he crawled up onto the attic and was like surprised by it. He would. That's literally what happened. I don't think I'd kill it. I think I'd be like, look, oh babe. Oh my God, we're going to die. <laughs> look at this scorpion. It literally just killed me. But look at it. So, I was sad for the scorpion. He opens the box and finds a projector with old film reels. The first one he reads says, family hanging out, 11. And I thought this was in poor taste because I'm pretty sure this is the video of the family being hung. If you notice, all of them are labeled in poor taste. What was the other one? Lawn work. Oh, yeah. And then I think the one where his family gets killed is called Painting the Living Room or something. That's cute. It's real fucking cute. Yeah, it's fucking cute. He brings the box downstairs to his office and joins the family for dinner. They start talking about how they can't afford much because they still haven't sold their old house and are carrying two mortgages because the market's terrible. They're so poor they can't afford to turn on more than one light. This is the darkest scene in the entire <laughs> movie. His son Trevor asks if his story is good this time and whether Ellison will take him to go see where it happened. Tracy tells him to stop because he's too young for all that but trevor continues saying he's old enough and then he's going to find out from the kids at school anyway tracy keeps telling them to stop talking about ellison's work and they recite the rule that none of them are allowed in his office this rule never really comes back i thought it was going to be like the kids keep going in his office and then finding the films and that the kids were like creepy because they were the ones watching the movies i mean one of the kids is watching the movie but i don't know if it's because she's going into his office tracy is laying in bed and asks ellison if he's not coming to bed he says he's gonna set up his office and she asks how long they're gonna live there he says it might be a long while and she says she liked it better when he wrote fiction he sees this as her being against him and his work and she apologizes saying she just wants to see him enjoying his work again he says he just needs one more hit and tracy just looks away upset she says that kentucky blood was 10 years ago and could have been his 15 minutes she says the years are going by with the kids and he's missing it ellison doubles down though and says he just feels really good about this one she looks away and says that if this time goes the way last time did she's gonna take the kids and leave to her sisters ellison says it's not and kisses her good night what happened last time yeah this is a real loaded conversation the last time you made us move into a murdered family's house we and almost fucking died didn't make millions that was the worst part we had to call the ghostbusters and the fucking morons okay if that happens again this time i'm leaving with my sister this woman is very tolerant like too tolerant of a lot she is especially like later when they have the really really big fight and she finally finds out she still like goes and tucks him in yeah she still like tries to go make amends with him you deserve better tracy you do in his office he has a whole evidence room set up with photos from the crime scene 
He includes a picture of the attic wondering where the box came from. Are people just allowed to have evidence like this? He asks no questions as to why just literally the thing he's investigating was dropped in his attic. He's like, oh, hmm, who left this here? Oh, it makes sense that the murderer would leave literal evidence in this house that was probably searched for evidence. He sets the projector up and watches film number one. He gets too comfy and cozy for it, but it just shows a family hanging out and then dramatically cuts to the family hanging. He pours himself a glass of whiskey and plays the video again, this time writing the questions, who recorded and where is Stephanie? He goes outside to look at the tree that rustles ominously. When he goes back inside, he hears a door creaking and looks around. We see a shadowy figure run by and he follows. It's just Ashley in the laundry room who can't find the bathroom. He puts her to bed and points out how good she's getting at painting. This is so sad. If you move so often that your kid doesn't even know where the bathroom is in their own house. But do you think it's her sleepwalking or do you think it's her being possessed already? Like, I don't know how early on in the movie Ashley's already being taken over. Not sure, because it could be this early. This is just meant to show you how often they move. Or she saw the whole bit with him. She also had her cup of whiskey ready. She's like, I had to pee after watching all that hanging since you put it on so many times. Yeah. He goes back downstairs and puts in another film. We have an entirely different family hanging out and camping until it cuts to someone filming the family inside of a car tied up and covered in gasoline tanks. The person holding the camera throws a torch lighting the car on fire until the film cuts. Ellison calls the cops but hangs up after staring at copies of Kentucky Blood. Hey, I found evidence that could help us find out what's going on and And get help. No, my dignity is more important. And he chooses to withhold it it's not even his dignity it's his book well it's that and also just the fact that he already had this fight with the sheriff i'm sure he's like no i'm not gonna like put myself at his level and ask for help anyway he wonders why someone came back and left the box and puts a third film on before it gets started though he hears a loud thud and thinks it's ashley again he goes to her room though and notices she's still in bed the creaking and rattling continues along with footsteps that sound like a kid running. He investigates until he sees a box at the end of the hallway start to move. This is actually a pretty creepy scene. It starts to open and he sees Trevor pop out of it backwards while screaming with his disembodied voice. Tracy runs down to help as Ellison carries him outside. Trevor finally snaps out of it and is confused as to why they're outside. Ellison thinks it's a good time to tell her something and she's like, oh, oh, cool, cool, cool. What is it? And he's like, uh, uh, uh no, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. Listen, if your kid does this, I'm gonna need you to pack him back in the that box and just throw the whole kid away ship it back to where it came where from. it came from because why 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 do people do this alexa please send me a new kid tracy says it's not his fault and we cut to the next morning so he's already making tracy feel bad for nothing yep while he's being a douche trevor says he doesn't remember ending up in the box as they joke about the time he woke up in the dryer that is not okay you could die if someone turned on the dryer wake up in the morning to start shoving clothes in there don't even look inside my bloody valentine style yep the kids are getting ready for their first day of school and as tracy heads out to take them she's like have a nice evening with your murder victims <laughs> aren't they just leaving for school yeah but they get out of school in the evening the cleaning, cleaning lady, lady comes up Monday. Do you delete every time we make that joke in every single episode? Because it's in every single episode. Is it? Do I delete it? I have Do to I? listen back now and see if it's in every single one of our episodes. Suddenly it's dark. We see people tied to some beach chairs getting pulled one by one into the pool to drown. Right at the end, though, we see Morbius standing at the bottom of the pool staring back at the camera. Bagul looks like Morbius. It is not a scary design, especially this scene. It looks like a carved-out pumpkin. He looks like one of the vampires from What We Do in the Shadows, the one with the thick mustache and the goatee. That's a lot to guess because Bagul doesn't actually have, like, facial features. But that's what he looks like in this scene under the pool. Interesting. (laughs) It's either Morbius or this guy. So you just think he's a vampire? 
vampire. It isn't until the end that I see he doesn't even have a mouth. I was like, oh, that's what he looks like. Because it's mostly blurry. It's like implied facial features. Yeah. Ellison gets spooked, but he restarts it to see the figure again and walks up to the screen to get a closer look. Suddenly, the projector bursts into flames and he Googles how to edit Super 8 film. This is a scene that takes forever. He's like, ah, Super 8 film created by blah, 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 Kodak in blah, 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 19 something. Cool. Thanks for the fun fact, dude. Like, did Google sponsor this? Because <laughs> every time he's about to search anything, it's like, Google, biggest fuck in the screen. It's funny because usually in movies when people Google something, it's like... Booble. Booble. That's the thing. Hoogle. Hugo? Hugo. This is where you ask questions in Spanish. We get a whole montage on how Super 8 film was invented and him piecing it together. We do. You didn't notice that? I must have tuned it out because it was boring. He does a whole like Ikea tutorial with the instructions on how to like load the film onto the projector. Great. Really adds value. He re-records the film using his own camera and saves it to his computer. He tries to rewatch the film and manages to get a view of the figure again. It looks like at this point too he's lost the second half of the film so he can't finish the videos. They all end abruptly. Which is weird because only only one burned yeah that doesn't really make sense with later on he hears tracy and the kids get home and goes to find tracy yelling at trevor ellison asks what he did and they send him to his room she says he drew four people hanging from a tree in permanent marker on the classroom board and that the kids have told him his book is about the family ellison's like oh that's it Tracy's pissed that he's so chilled about it and he explains these people deserve to have their story told. That's not why you're doing it though, dude. He really doesn't give a fuck what these kids do because later on the mom's yelling at the daughter for drawing on the walls and he's like, that's just what kids do. But earlier in the film, he tells her rule number two is the drawing stay inside her room and yeah. not outside. In case it wasn't clear, Ellison is the award winner of the true villain of the story. That night, Tracy asks if he's going to help her put the kids to bed, but he's like, nah, it's cool, and she leaves. He takes a sip of his drink and watches another film. Like, he doesn't take his eyes off the screen when she opens the door behind him, and when she leaves is when he's like, oh, okay, you're gone now. Sip. Finally. We have kids? What? Who are you? Basically. This time, it goes straight to the person holding the camera walking through a house at night. They enter a bedroom, and we see a chihuahua barking at the camera as someone slits the throats of the people tied down in the bed. They go to the kids' room, and Allison drinks more as the background is blurred out but implies the kids were killed too. Ellison watches on his computer and notices an insignia on the wall from that film. He prints it out and adds it to his evidence board. He rewatches the film again and changes the contrast, revealing a sign that says Science for Kids, St. Louis. He searches for a murder in 1998 in St. Louis and finds a news report of a family that was murdered and a boy that was subducted. What a fucking reach, again. It's like, oh shit, St. Louis murder family? Let me just search murdered family in St. Louis in 1998. First <laughs> result. Because Google the is great and sponsored this movie <laughs> google was listening the entire time was yeah. like, oh bro i got you while we're at it it's fucking bagul just <laughs> saved you dude do you want an ad on how to get more stuff on bagul and more films of these We've already ordered him for you on Amazon. You know, with as much research as he's doing, if he really cared about these people, why didn't he go into like forensics or being a detective? Because being a detective doesn't allow him to have a legacy. That's true. It makes him a cop. Who he hates. Suddenly we hear a creak and Allison gets spooked, but he continues his search on the computer. The lights shut off and we hear more creaking and small footsteps. Allison goes out to investigate and we see him check out all the rooms. There's a moment of silence before we get a loud thud. Allison goes goes to grab a knife from the kitchen and makes his way up to the attic. Ellison looks around and gets startled again by a loud thud. These thuds are jump scares. Oh, there's so many jump scares in this movie. It's just like nothing actually scary. It's just bah, box. Yes. He finds a box on the floor and lifts the lid with a fire poker only to find a snake. See, like a snake is like scary, you know? Because a snake can slither at you fast and bite you and they are poisonous. But a scorpion is as scary as like an ant. 
It's not going to run at you at full speed. Yes, it is. But I've already said I'm not having this debate <laughs> with you anymore. So you're more mad about the scorpion than the snake? I'm not happy about either of them being in the attic. <laughs> He's got a past problem that he really needs to deal with. He really does. Scorpions and snakes. And his children. Inside, there are kids' drawings of all the ways people have died in the films. He hears noise and tries to leave the attic, but he suddenly falls through the ceiling and gets knocked out. A paramedic patches Ellison's leg up while a cop from earlier asks to see what happened. The cop wonders why he thought there was an intruder, and they argue about whether or not it could have been a squirrel. The squirrel fighting also lasts forever. Yeah, this cop is like deadpan, does not understand that Ellison's like trying to joke around with him, and he's like, nah, dude, you got squirrels. The cop asks if Ellison can sign his copy of Kentucky Blood, and Ellison offers him one of his own copies. They enter his office, and the cop's impressed, saying it looks like one of those FBI profiler rooms. Ellison's like, get out of my private office, and starts yelling at the cop. Didn't he just invite him in there? Yeah. Okay, dude. Everyone obviously fucking hates him, including his family. Wouldn't he suddenly be like, oh, somebody who's a fan? He's like more annoyed by his own fans, but keeps talking about his legacy. What do you want? Do you want people to care about you or not? He sucks. Before he gets out, the cop is like, you mind acknowledging me in your book? Ellison takes this opportunity to ask the cop to look into the murders he's seen on the films. As the cop leaves, Tracy waits at the door and tells him she's sorry for lashing out at him. He's like, I just need you here with me. And she's like, I always am. She is. She really always is. Yeah. Even when he doesn't deserve it. This cop is not named throughout the film. He's just referred to as cop so-and-so as a joke that they spoke about. This actor, is he the same actor who plays Eddie, grown-up Eddie, in It? chapter two yes i hadn't even noticed until i was watching this that i was like oh dude i love him he was a perfect oh my god he looked exactly him. like him <laughs> you know what let's follow cop so-and-so instead of honestly i listen he ends up being like a pretty cool dude the whole time even as like yo dude you fucked up didn't you understand the pattern you're a fucking idiot seriously the other thing i want to point out too is that if anyone recognizes her the daughter ashley is actually played by claire foley who is poison ivy in gotham oh. yeah she does pretty good too as poison ivy Cut to Ellison drinking some more and watching an interview of himself from 10 years ago, we assume. We hear him say a bunch about his work and how the mistakes cops make can ruin people's lives. He says that good crime writing can set things right. The interviewer asks him which feels better, the fame from his book or the justice, and Ellison douchebaggedly says, the justice, the justice, oh, the justice all day. And present day Ellison's like, disgusting. How into yourself do you have to be to rewatch videos from your glory days? I cringe at anything that has to do with me two days ago, let alone 10 years ago. We record these episodes and never want to hear them again. No. When y'all bring up stuff that we said, I'm like, oh. I am so sorry. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And I apologize. Here are some flowers. I recently saw that some people had checked out our first episode and I was like, God, no. Why? We should redo those, though. I, I think I've said that before, is that we should revisit like the first three again just to be In like, hey, format, yeah. we've figured it out. I mean, <laughs> or not. Not really. <laughs> this could still change. Ellison reviews the kids drawing with the videos side by side, noticing the drawings show a person standing nearby labeled Mr. Boogie. He notices the same figure from the pool in the family hanging and car fire videos. He prints a picture of the figure and puts it on his evidence wall. Meanwhile, Ashley is drawing in the kitchen and offers to bring Ellison his coffee. This scene made me sad because she's just coloring and she's like, I want to bring him his coffee today. Tracy's like, okay. She goes to his door, knocks on it, and he's like, oh, thanks so much, sweetheart. He's getting a phone call, slams the door on her face, and she just stands there. I feel so shitty. And I brought up how like sometimes I close the door when Loki's trying to get my attention. And I was like, am I Ellison? But Loki's just like needy all the time. <laughs> no matter what. I could like literally hang out with him all day, and then he'll still be at the door. Well, yes, that's the magic of dogs. I love Loki, though. Don't think I'm mean to him. Yeah, this scene really like affected you. You've been talking about it for like two days, just how much of an asshole he is. Because I don't want to be that parent. You know, yeah. like, if I have kids, I don't want to be the one who's like, dad's always working and he never pays attention. And my kids are trying to be sweet. 
Yeah, you could also wait a second to answer the phone. You'd be like, oh, thanks, hon. Take the coffee and answer the call. It's literally the same cop who calls him later and who he chooses to ignore twice. Later. But that's when he's... Oh, when he's shitting his fucking pants? Yeah. Yeah. That's when his life shook. Idiot. So I feel like we are definitely like ragging a lot on Ethan Hawke's character, but not talking enough about how creepy, effectively creepy these videos are. They are very edited, very stylized. I don't agree with the zooming in on Bagul that we saw earlier. I feel like it cheapens it. And that's going to be my problem with a lot of these scenes going forward. A lot of these scary scenes. Right. Yeah, I guess if you want to talk in detail about the murder videos, we already mentioned the hanging one. But yeah, the later ones are a little more gruesome, like the pool one. The people are in beach chairs and there are ropes tied to the back. And then one by one, they pull the beach chairs in with the people tied so they're drowning. I don't know why I find that one just more disturbing than the others. Because it's a prolonged death? I think so. I think it's the whole knowing it's coming. Because there's a couple more that we haven't gotten to yet, too, that I thought were actually more gruesome than the first three that yeah. we've seen. There is the the one with the family being murdered in bed, because you see them literally like slice the throats, and mm-hmm. that feels more like a snuff film. It does. While the chihuahua barks. That chihuahua is just trying to protect its family. It's so sad. <laughs> it is sad. So the phone call that Ellison got, though, is from the deputy, who tells him what he found confirming a family was killed in California in their garage and that their son was never found. He also confirms the murders in St. Louis, but the address the deputy reads off is familiar to Ellison. He hangs up and opens the file, making him realize that the family that was murdered out back used to live at the same address. While he's looking at the file, the laptop is in the background zoomed in on Mr. Boogie's face, and it turns around to look at Ellison, which is kind of cool. Every time that his face is on in the background, I always thought he was going to turn around. I don't like this. It's cheesy. It takes so long. You see it for so long. And I always think like a scene like this would benefit from less is more. Ellison turns back around though just in time for Bagul to turn around back to where he was at. Like, ah, he didn't see me. Ellison continues the video on his screen of the drawings from the attic and makes it to the part where he fell through the ceiling. He zooms in and notices that once he fell through, there were tiny hands all around him, over his shoulders and in front of his chest. He gets freaked out and closes the laptop. This one is scary. I'll give them this one. It is creepy. And that would have been the final straw for me. Tiny hands on me? What the fuck? Fuck no. Goodbye. Because how do you explain that away? It isn't tiny scorpions. I'd have brought the cop in then and there and been like, hey, like, I know this is going to sound crazy, but would you mind taking a look at this video real quick? Is this hands? Because it's not like a hint of hands. It's all it's a lot hands. Of yeah. <laughs> that night, they're all in bed when Ellison gets woken up by the projector suddenly turning on. He goes to investigate and calls out to Ashley and Trevor. He enters his office and notices the family hanging video is playing. There's no one in the room, but he shuts off the projector. He grabs the printed close-up of the figure in the woods in the background and looks outside. He holds the photo up to the same general area, but when he brings the photo down, Mr. Boogie is actually standing there. It's a cool idea, but I did think it was cheesy the way that it's almost like they put a giant spotlight on him. Mm-hmm. It'd have been cool if like the contrast or brightness was the same as in the photo so that he didn't look so cheesy and imprinted. It's like dark ass background when he puts the photo up, brings the photo down, spotlight on Bagul. Just a flare for the dramatics. <laughs> yeah. Bagul's in the background like, I'm ready for my close up. It's exactly what he's saying. Ellison gets spooked by this though and rubs his face, but when he looks back out, the figure isn't there. Ellison grabs a bat and goes outside to look around. He looks in the bushes and finds Trevor peeking back, covering in cold. Every time Trevor appears, anywhere in any kind of creepy form or fashion i can't tell if it's trevor or a dead kid his kid is almost creepier than bagul because he's just looking just at him lurking yeah. in the bushes oh fuck no oh 
Oh, fuck no. Did you hear that? Like something fell in here. Yeah. It's the squirrel's back. Before we leave, it's like, bye, bitches. You thought you saw the last of me. Can't wait to meet the next family. Doesn't matter. Not our problem. Hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. It's going to hide into one of our bins. I was worried that when we took the shelves apart, I was going to find it back there somewhere. I'm sure it would have stunk oh, yeah. at that point. Tracy and Ellison bring him into his bed saying his sleepwalking has gotten worse. Ellison goes back out to get the flashlight from the floor, but when he's about to grab it, a Rottweiler starts growling at him. He tries sweet talking it and saying he's going to grab his bat so that if he runs at him, he can bash his head in. The dog keeps growling and we see that behind Ellison, there are a group of five kids watching. The dog turns around and Ellison runs back inside. This dog is like, nah, dude, I was trying to warn you, but if you're going to be an asshole about it, you can fucking die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ellison goes in thinking he like triumphed. Yeah. Tracy sees how spooked he is and asks what happened, but Ellison brushes it off. She continues and says Trevor's too old for what's happening. She tells him to drop the book so they can leave town and never look back, but Ellison keeps trying to brush her off too. She's like, you never crack another whiskey this early and this often. I thought that line was hilarious. As a wife, I think I'd be like, you need to quit this job. It's driving you to drink a lot you didn't drink this much before i remember when you used to be happy i remember when you started drinking towards the end of the book that's when it's okay in celebration yeah. and then we led ourselves to two kids gross making children <laughs> with whiskey dick he didn't make no kids on that seriously he drank a lot of whiskey she says this and ellison gets pissed that she's calling him a drunk tracy's like something's different this time and ellison's like yeah i'm on to something bigger than kentucky blood no you're on top of a bunch of dead bodies. Is he on top of them? Or are they on top of him, pushing him down with their tiny hands? <laughs> tiny murder hands. Tiny murder hands. It could mean money, awards, and maybe even a movie deal. And bitches. <laughs> he's such a piece of shit. Tracy's like, look, our family is suffering. And he's like, we could have a whole Marvel Cinematic Universe of murdered families. Oh, he was thinking Warrenverse for sure. Yeah. And he's going to write himself as like God or something. Because that's what Warren's did. I hate this. Tracy's like, I'm just worried about you. And he's like, nothing's wrong. She's like, well, then why were you so white like a ghost when you came in? And he says it was just a dog. They laugh it off. And he says every minute they're there, they're closer to their dream. In Kay. hell. Yeah. Way to oversell it just a bit, dude. The next day, the deputy shows up with files and asks to come in. He explains that just because he's a small town cop doesn't mean he's an idiot. He says he has a degree in criminology and knows a series of connected murders when he sees one. He asks to be kept in the loop and explains he's been affected by these murders just like everyone else. Ellison agrees to bring him in and shows him everything he's put together, including that the first murders happened in the 60s, putting the potential killer between 60 and 70 years old. He notes that in every murder, the killer abducts a child and kills the rest of the family while also leaving behind a symbol at each crime scene. The deputy says it looks like something from the occult and tells Ellison to get in contact with Professor Jonas at the university, who's an occult crime expert. This cop could have solved this on his own. Honestly, he knew more than Ellison ever could have thought he did. Ellison does seem to have a habit of looking down at the townspeople he's quote unquote trying to help. Do you think that in some point of his life he did actually care and he's just kind of turned into this douche bag of a person? It's possible, but we'd never see that side of him. Even when he's doing his interview from his success 10 years ago, he seems like a douche. That sucks. Tracy, yep. Tracy, what happened? He couldn't have always been this bad, right? He had money. Hmm. That night, Ellison watches another film. We see someone approaching a home where a family gathers to watch TV. They turn on a lawnmower and we see them run around with it until suddenly they run someone over. This one was crazy. Like, this is probably the one that I thought was... The most messed up. It doesn't really transition. It's like the person looking at the family from outside and then they turn left and there's a lawnmower and then there's just like going through the grass and it's so blurry and rainy that you're like, wait, what's happening? And then suddenly there's a fucking body and you're like, ah! Because they're looking at the camera right before the lawnmower goes over them. This scene is already scary, but then they cut to Ellison like full jump scare because the music blares and he jumps out of his seat. I think you didn't need to add that. I think the scene would have been just as effective with him just jumping up. You kind of cheapen 
in the moment with that like blaring jump scare. Ellison video calls Professor Jonas, who says he's a big fan. He explains that the symbol isn't just any symbol that regular people know about. He says it's a symbol associated to Bagul, the eater of children. He needs the souls of children to survive and has different ways to trap their souls in his world. Professor Jonas says these crimes might be the result of a cult rather than one person. Dramatically, Jonas asks to be told everything, and we get Ellison putting in another film. It cuts to nighttime, and the projector is on again, playing the tree hanging. Ellison walks in, determined this time, but finds no one. He walks around the house holding a bat, and we get jump scared by a little dead girl who he obviously can't see. We hear footsteps and see a little boy watching him as he continues looking around. So we get a montage of all these little kids that are dead, kind of messing around with him. Behind him, we see a little girl at the end of the hallway wearing a raincoat, followed by Ellison walking into another hallway that's creepy because a boy watches from the distance and starts running at him in slow motion. I thought this was going to end in some sort of like jump scare too. I found this entire scene extremely cheesy. I thought it was going to end with something good, but it just ends up with the kid turning the corner and just the floor creaking and Ellison doesn't see anything. Something running at you will always be terrifying. Yeah. Ellison hears the creaking of the floor and turns to see nothing, but the projector starts up again and he goes to turn it off. He looks around the rooms again seeing that everyone's asleep but we zoom in on ashley who's awake looking at the corner of her room the camera zooms away and we see she's drawn the family being hung on the wall as a little dead girl tells her to shush i would scream she's like okay this whole time ashley's been like getting chilled out with stephanie right like stephanie's just like hey go turn on the projector i'll show you the, like your favorite new movie it's not frozen it's more like hanging with the family she's getting chilled out with stephanie she's just like hey let's go have a popcorn <laughs> night in the middle of the night and fuck with your dad okay getting chilled out sounds like she's smoking pot. yeah like, I don't know. Smoking a blunt with Stephanie? <laughs> I don't think she's doing that. But yeah, they're definitely becoming friends. She's using the butt of the blunt to draw the hanging family on the wall. Fun fact, it's 420 when we're recording this. It is. There it is. The like, blunt welcome blunt. to Disney Channel. With the blunt? Yes. <laughs> the end of the blunt. People can't see, but I was like waving my hand around. And you're watching Disney Channel. And you're watching... Families being murdered. Ellison runs around the house freaked out, locking all the doors and windows and falls asleep on the couch. I just hate how long all of these scenes... Like, I get it. It's the build suspense because he's looking around the house, around every corner. It's dark. There's no lights. I don't understand this in movies either. I'm looking around the house. Someone's fucking in it. I'm turning on every single light possible. If someone's fucking in it. I don't know. So I'm the turning light, light of light God. <laughs> yeah. I'm pulling out flashlights. Flashlights. I'm turning everything on, including my wife. <laughs> That's true. I hate when in horror movies, no one turns on a light, especially if it's your own fucking house, dude. Walking around with a bat, like, I can't hit what I can't see, dude. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't like these night scenes of him just wandering the house. I get that they're meant to build the supernatural element of the film, but they go on way too long. And honestly, I think you could have the film without them. They happen like four or five times. And each time it's the same length. Like, we get it. Third, fourth time, fifth time, it's like, and nothing's happening. Just like, go to sleep, dude, and <laughs> ignore it. He has the cop come over and jokes about being able to trust him. The cop gets awkward as Ellison asks if the Stevensons reported anything strange and whether the cops found anything inexplicable. The cop asks if something's going on and whether his wife knows about it. Ellison says no, and the cop follows up asking if she even knows whose house this was. Ellison's like, nah. And the cop's like, ha ha ha, you dumb bitch. The cop asks what's got him freaked out, and Ellison says he doesn't believe in anything supernatural. The cop's like, of course you don't, otherwise you wouldn't have moved into a crime scene, and we wouldn't even be talking about this. He confirms, though, that nothing weird came out in the investigation, and that perhaps Ellison was in over his head trying to put himself in the family's shoes, and has also noticed a whiskey bottle in his office every time he's visited. Like, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're calling me a drunk? Like, well, I mean... <laughs> Stop pulling out a new bottle of whiskey every day, dude. <laughs> I'm 
Stop being drunk every time I come here. You're drunk right now? Yeah. Elson tries to argue back, but the cop is like, look, I'm not saying you're a drunk. I'm just saying you're putting yourself under a lot of stress. Elson's like, okay, cool. So you don't believe in this weird stuff, right? And the cop's like, bro, of course I do. Four people were hung here in the backyard and the little girl is missing. He tells him to get out and clear his head, but Elson tells him he thought something was in the house and the cop just says if he was putting himself through what he has, he'd go a little crazy too. This cop is very nice to Elson and he doesn't deserve it. No. I feel like another cop would be like, look, sir, you're going crazy and you're affecting your family. You either need to drop it or I'm going to have to drop you. Professionally. Yes. Cut to Ellison on his laptop when suddenly Tracy starts yelling for him. Tracy is yelling about Ashley painting on the walls outside her room as Ellison notices the drawing is of a little girl on a swinging tire. Ashley says Stephanie told her she didn't want the drawing in her room because it was her brother's. Tracy's like, who the fuck is Stephanie? And Ashley explains it's the girl who used to live there from the family Ellison's writing about. I've also seen creepy kids done more effectively than this. It feels like it's kind of just thrown in there. And look at this kid on the tire. Look at this art. And it's not even a creepy drawing. It's no, just it's like not. a little girl nicely on a tire. Yeah, out. she just looks sad. Tracy's like, what the fuck? And sends Ashley into her room. She goes off on Ellison, who tries to say it's her fault. He didn't tell her because she didn't want to know. She's like, don't fucking turn this on me. Seriously trying to fucking manipulate her yeah he brings up how he didn't lie when he said they didn't move a few houses away and is like it's not like the murder was in the house trace is like oh wait oh she's like a relief for a second she's like, oh a so second. it wasn't it wasn't here then and he's like it happened in the backyard and she's like what the fuck is the difference i think i would have punched him <laughs> at that point she's like why would you make us move here and he explains it was a steal Tracy pieces what happened together with what Trevor drew and what Ashley's talking about and tells him she can't believe he's putting his family at risk. He fights back and is like, what do you mean? What do you mean at risk? What, what do you mean? Bro, like you literally saw children's hands on your body in the attic. You're literally chasing monster children all night long. You found all these like weird films with murder evidence in the attic. Just no type of sense in his head. He fights back saying there's no risk and that their kids are able to enjoy a father who's always around. Yeah, okay, bro. I literally watched you close the door on your daughter who brought you coffee, okay? I mean, he's like physically always around, but mm. not emotionally. He's like, the worst they can ever say happened to them is that they moved into a house where a family was killed. And Tracy's like, that's and, pretty bad. <laughs> and Tracy's like, can we live somewhere normal for once where people aren't looking at us like assholes everywhere? She puts up with so much. This whole argument, I was just like, tell him to shut the fuck up. Tell him to shut the fuck up. Because he has no leg to stand on. Not one. Not even one. But he doesn't stop. Tracy continues making good points, but Ellison is like, sure, 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 sure. Once I finish my book. Tracy's like, you can find another way to provide for this family. And Ellison yells, doing what? Teaching? He says the books give his life meaning and are his legacy. Tracy just takes a seat and says the meaning of his life is their marriage. And his legacy is his kids. He also makes it sound like teaching and like editing journals is the worst job you could have. I would totally take either of those jobs. You know what teaching and editing journals doesn't do? Put you in the center of a fucking murder slash demon takeover. I mean, not usually. If you've ever been a journalist or a teacher and been put in the middle of a murder demon spree, let us know. I mean, in Candyman, Helen's husband's just a teacher and he literally gets put in the middle of that situation. He literally gets put in the ground. Well, he deserved it. Yeah. So. Tracy goes to tuck Ashley in who asks if she got him in trouble and Tracy just says it was his fault, not hers. Tracy goes into the living room to find Ellison asleep while one of his old interviews plays where they ask him if he wants a family and he explains that at first he didn't, but that as he's gotten old and met someone he cares about 
He's realized his career doesn't matter so much and wants kids. She looks at him lovingly and asks him to come to bed. I would be more pissed off if I saw this. Look at you. You fucking lying ass bitch. (laughs) Cut to a point of view of someone holding a flashlight at Allison and Tracy in bed. The projector starts waking Allison up. He turns on the lights in his office and notices the projector is missing entirely. He even like waves his hand over where it's supposed to be. and Like it's going to magically appear. The noise stops. He looks around the house as we get flashes of the ladder leading to the attic. He asks himself what's happening as the hallway leads to the ladder. He climbs up as the light flashes down and we see a projector turned on upstairs while the dead children watch. They turn and look at him and make a sign to be quiet while Bagul is on the screen. Suddenly, Bagul's face appears scaring Ellison to the bottom of the ladder. A box and projector fall onto the floor from the attic, scaring the hell out of him. But he musters up the courage and jumps up, taking the projector and the box of film outside to burn. I pointed out that he made an effort to hit every step on his way down with his head. Like, if you go watch that scene, he's just like, douche, 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 on every single one. Maybe none of this is actually happening, and it's just all the alcohol and the head drama. I thought that. Like, what if these are, like, alcohol-fueled, like, dreams? And the head drama. And the head drama that he's causing himself, because he's always falling off that roof for some reason. Yeah. Tracy asks him what the hell he's doing, and Ellison says they have to leave, and that they should have never come here. Finally scared some sense into you. Bagul at this point was kind of like, what will it take to get this fucking family to leave this house? Because that's how I can kill them. He's like, all right, invite them to the next cult meeting. I don't fucking know anymore, (laughs) man. He's like, get the kids, pack the car, let's go. Trace's like, what are you talking about? Half asleep. And he's like, go! And starts screaming at her like she deserves it. Oh, no. Like she's the one on the line. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Like she's the one that dragged them to a murder house. Yeah, I know. We watch the family pack all their things and take the kids. Ellison's flooring it, but falling asleep. Tracy's worried as he explains he just wants to get as far from the town as possible. Ashley's like, are we going home like you promised? He says yes, and they get pulled over by a cop. It's the sheriff who asks why they're in such a rush at that time of night. This whole time that the sheriff's like standing there and it's still got 20 minutes of movie left. I was waiting for the sheriff to get run over by something. Yeah, it's at this point where you're like, where is this going? Yeah, I thought maybe the sheriff's going to get killed and then like Bagul was going to be an embodied person, which would have been lame. I thought the sheriff was going to force them to go home for some reason. Yeah, drunk. Go home. Yeah. And then they put him in jail and then Bagul finds him in jail and makes him watch his family get murdered at home and then kills him. And then it's Ashley. And Ashley kills the sheriff at the cop station. I feel like you just added an extra scene. That would have been crazy. That would have been wild. It would have been like Malignant meets children. Oh, I guess. If it was just Ashley taking down a whole cop station. Oh my god. (laughs) That'd be hilarious. But also scary. But also terrifying. Ellison says he's just trying to take his advice by leaving town and never looking back. The sheriff's like, you weren't bullied, were you? I don't want to find out while I'm reading your book. Ellison says there isn't going to be a book. And the sheriff is like, oh, good. Just uh, go with speed limit then. Yeah, like how he's worried about the publicity of the town. Yeah, good for him if he cares cares about the town. Yeah, Chase is like, did you really mean that? He's like, yeah, they make out and they drive off. Happily ever after. Cut to! We see them moving into a new house, which is huge. Yeah, no wonder you're fucking broke. You said this was their old house, though? Yeah, they confirmed? couldn't sell it, remember? Uh, they were paying two mortgages. True, true, true. At night, a storm brews while Ellison tends to the fire and he hears an email come through. It's from Jonas with more information on Bagul. He calls Jonas, who explains there isn't much about Bagul, but that early Christians destroyed a lot of the images because they believed the images were gateways into his realm. He would possess those who saw the images... And children especially were vulnerable to Bagul's abductions into his realm. Ellison's like, well, what if you destroy the images? This scene's so funny because like, he hasn't obviously told Jonas what's happening. And Jonas is like, uh, what, do, what, do, what do you mean? Like if you destroyed what are you talking about? If, I, if you destroyed the images, what, what do you mean? I just said they just they just they destroyed them. And he's like, yeah, like if I burn it, hypothetically. And Jonas is like, wait, what? You burn, yeah. wait, you burn what? And he's like, like you know, if those people like burned them, would that stop 
Bagul? And Jonas is like, what kind of book are you writing? And Allison's like, uh, I, I don't really, I don't really know anymore. Bye. They hang up. When he hangs up, though, he does delete all the images like a scared little asshole. It's like when you got caught watching porn and then you just delete all the history. Except the porn could kill you. Yes. No, I think he's actually being smart for once. It's too late, though. I was also thinking, what about Jonas? You know, because if you found those images, someone uploaded those. How does Bagul latch on to somebody? He's let go of, like, paper. He's strictly working in film now. Okay. He's going to move on to the internet later. He deletes all the images that were sent over and gets a call from the deputy, but he doesn't answer. He takes the box to the attic and notices the same box from the old house that he burned containing the projector in the film. Inside, he finds little reels of film and puts them together to watch. I didn't understand what was happening here. Was it like, oh, now we're not in Super 8. We're in like little camera film style. Not sure. I just know that it was meant to complete the film so he could finally see what's happened. We get another montage of him putting cameras together. It was just another little hobby, a little gift for him from Bagul. <laughs> so he puts the little reels of film together and he gets another call from the deputy, but he answers this time. The deputy says it's a problem that they moved. Ellison's like, uh, what do you mean? He says that all the families lived in the home where the previous family had been murdered. He says he just moved, so you not only sped up the timeline, but you just put yourself in the middle of it. Because they're not murdered until they move. Ellison like oh fuck and hangs up ellison plays the film <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> oh fuck also like the whole thing of this cop just being way better at researching and investigating than ellison is he solved the crime for you you idiot he studied criminology yeah ellison plays the film of the hanging again okay i don't get it right he's freaked the fuck out he literally left the house because it freaked him out he finds the box of films upstairs and is like, fuck it, let me put it together. I thought you already got scared so shitless you left. I think it's just a testament to his character of how he just cannot let things go. Yeah. Ellison plays the film of the hanging again, but notices that this time there's a little girl coming out from behind the tree and hanging around playing with one of the hanging bodies. That's fucked. As he says, Stephanie, she looks at the camera and motions to shush. The car burning plays and we see a boy do the same. In the pool, we see a kid do the same and say shush before jumping into the pool. In a house bedroom, we see another kid and outside by a lawnmower, we see the little girl. Ellison is unsettled and goes to his desk to get a drink of coffee. He notices something green glowing in his mug and note on the table that says, good night, daddy. Sweet dreams. Again, all the little kids motioning to the camera, shushing, was cheesy for me. It's not creepy. No, it's not. And we get it. We get that all the kids did it after like the first one. <laughs> he passes out and starts foaming at the mouth while Ashley says she likes that the movies are longer now as lightning strikes. This ending scene happens so quickly. It's, it's kind so of so abrupt. Like, Here you go. You thought you were safe. Ellison wakes up tied with duct tape over his mouth in front of the fireplace. Ashley brings an axe and is like, don't worry, daddy. I'll make you famous again. Got him. Dang. Damn. She puts the camera to her face and places it on the ground in front of him as she raises the axe. We flash to the camera view looking down a hallway covered in blood. Lightning strikes as Ashley enters the hallway with the axe covered in blood and approaching the camera. In the distance, we see Bagul's symbol and other drawings in blood all over the walls. Bagul approaches the door with the symbol and turns to see the kids following. The camera zooms out and we see it's the film on the projector as Ashley sits at Ellison's desk with her hands covered in blood. She adds another drawing to the paper from earlier and stands up to look at the kids. The kids tilt their head and Ashley does the same, letting us see that Bagul is behind her. The kids start to run as Bagul picks up Ashley and disappears. We see the film again and watch Bagul walking down the hallway carrying Ashley. We get a final view of the box with the projector and film in an attic and get jump scared by Bagul right in front of the camera. Cue the credits. I still don't understand the dynamic with the kids and Bagul. He's the child eater. Is having them just in his realm enough or does he actually eat them? Because all five are there. It'd be 
creepier, I think, if it was like, there's only three now because he's eaten two or something. I got the impression that they're dead, so... He's taking their souls. He's taking their souls. This last jump scare totally unnecessary cheesy cheesy as fuck it's literally the same thing that happens to him when the kids say shush earlier in the attic that scares him to fall downstairs the face disappears again same exact way yeah um not sure why he has the kids write a confessional drawing with every crime scene i almost want to see this movie played out from the perspective of someone who isn't investigating it like do they just happen to get murdered one day there's a part two and i think they aren't investigating it they're just trying to live their lives and it goes wrong is it better i don't know i don't know if it was as beloved oh we should check it out yeah this ending feels very abrupt i remember watching it the first time and being like oh the kids are the ones doing it that's a twist his daughter is literally gonna kill him for being a shitty dad good i don't know like it's something about it just the suddenness doesn't work for me like it takes him too fucking long to figure out that it's the kids yeah it'd have been cool to see the end played out more because we also don't see tracy but it's implied she's dead too because the kids killed the whole family we don't see trevor in her little drawing you see that the mom and brother also are chopped up into pieces it's like the actual gruesomeness of the film and murder of this family was wasted it's just implied like there's blood all over the walls Ooh, horrifying again i think it's part of that where the directors wanted to get that pg-13 rating so it's not as gory as you think it would be as bloody but still a lot of people find this film disturbing do you want to say what you rated and what you thought sure so they definitely made elson like hateable on purpose i think it's so you don't feel too sorry when he is killed but you should feel sorry for his wife and kid there is some good potential in this movie i think that's why i find like really frustrating about it some scenes are effectively creepy but then a lot of them a lot of them go on for too long become cheesy i think a lot of times these movies would benefit from a less is more perspective and this one literally lingers on the scary parts until you notice that the creature's actually not that scary. I wanted to give it a fair shot going in, especially since Eric like swayed my opinion so much. <laughs> it's hard to find something scary when your husband's literally vacuuming in the background while the killer's being revealed. I'm gonna give it a 6.5. That's what I would give it. So this was like one of those films that everyone was like, oh my god, I love Sinister. And I was like, ah, oh, no, I remember Sinister not being that great. Do you think it's victim of being overhyped? Yeah, I think so, because... I definitely get why people love this. Like I said, there are definitely a lot of good things about it, a lot of good scares. It's fucked up to see these families killed. The hanging over and over and over is disturbing. The lawnmower to the face. Like, it's all disturbing. It is horrifying. But it's too cheesy. The music also takes me out of this film a lot. There is literally a point, I don't know, it's probably one of the times where he's running through his house in the dark for some fucking reason, where it's music but there's like moaning and humming in it did you notice that yeah hated it i thought you were maybe gonna like it because of that no couldn't focus on anything else do you want to talk about what scared loki about this film yeah so i actually didn't watch it with him in the room you did what scared him um he is really not a fan of the sounds that projecting films makes he's like i'm too used to this new age projector that we have in the living room that only hums a little bit and kicks off a little bit of dust fuck all this old noise yeah he was growling so much throughout the entire film he almost hated it as much as you do you want to tell us about it loki all right well if there's a murdering demon in the next house you better let us know first and growl and, and make sure that we don't get taken off yeah like that rottweiler loki yeah. is part rottweiler the moment I start fighting you for no reason about nothing, and I'm like, this is for my legacy. Let's go find a half million dollar house and write a book about it. Cool. All right. Does that pretty much wrap it up for us here tonight? Yeah. 
Better not wake up in the middle of the night and see Loki running around shadows. Chasing children you can't see. Yeah. When we take their collars off, it's like ghosts are walking around because they cannot hear them. They're oh, like so silent. It. And then he's like standing right behind you and you're like, what the fuck? And you wouldn't think that that would be the case because Loki's so big. Like, I just can't hear him. Especially when he walks in the kitchen because I hear like the... At least that helps, but because we have so much carpet. Yeah, you can't hear him. <laughs> yeah, Loki's creepy when he's got no color on. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at Shaken Not Scared Pod at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon. You can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and theme drink idea every month. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos. Give them a like. We'll post them eventually. We will. If Eric doesn't buy more slime to put in our drink. Do you want to see what happened? Yeah, we've been trying to get out the Jawbreaker drink for a while now. Hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it's posted. But I asked Eric to go buy cotton candy to make it. And Eric brought home cotton candy slime. To be fair, you didn't notice until we both opened it up. And then, okay, look, guys, if you go out and find this cotton candy that looks like it's on a lollipop, make sure that you read the tiny print, the tiniest print on the right of the label. It says, this is not food. Please do not eat. But it's in such tiny writing. And it says cotton candy on it. And then underneath in tiny writing, it says stretchy slime. So clearly we couldn't use that to make our drink video. Vivi's like, how do I make this grow? Because it's like a tiny, thick ass ball yeah <laughs> i was like maybe you add water and it expands or something which wouldn't make sense with cotton candy no it would dissolve cotton candy <laughs> immediately but be sure to like rate review us all that good stuff okay thanks bye